I'm going to actually start off by reading something I wrote earlier this week. I, I like to kind of journal and write and stuff like that. And I just, I'm just going to read this. So this is what I wrote last Monday. You understand that Mondays for pastors are always kind of weird days because you're just reflecting on the yesterday and what happened or what didn't happen. And then you're thinking about next week. But Monday is kind of one of those. For me, it's a day where I can just kind of, kind of spiritually unwind and, and reflect. Here's what I wrote. It's Monday, this is last Monday morning. I was sitting in a room at the basement of the Catholic Church on campus. So if that makes any difference. It's Monday morning, one of hundreds of Monday mornings for me as a pastor. Yesterday, of course, was Sunday, one of hundreds of Sundays for me as a pastor. This month, August 2021, marks the 30th year of my calling as a pastor. So I've ministered for nearly 1,500 Sundays. And I'm still hungry. Many years ago, I read a book by Pastor Jim Cimbala where he stated his desire to see a significant. I don't have notes that to say to cry here, so I'm just. He stated his desire to see a significant movement of God in his church and his ministry. He was hungry for more than just marking time, running the church, and simply getting through another Sunday. He longed to see a movement of the Holy Spirit where he knew that what was happening in the lives of his people and community. He, <clears throat> the, whole, the whole sermon made us me trying to read this. I don't know. He longed to see a movement of the Holy Spirit where he knew that what was happening in the lives of his people and his community was something only God could do. And that's what I'm hungry for. I'm not saying I'm dissatisfied with the past, past 30 years. I'm not saying I'm disappointed in the hundreds of people who I have sat under my ministry. I'm not saying that I haven't seen God do supernatural things in the lives of many people. He has, and he always will. But when I read the Gospels and the book of Acts, I read of mass conversions, supernatural healings, and powerful encounters with the forces of darkness where people are set free from bondage. And these are not happening just from the words and hands of Jesus, but through the lives of his disciples who were ordinary people. Jesus sent out his disciples and gave them one primary commission to announce that the kingdom of God, a conversational, life-giving friendship with God, was now available through his life. And this invitation was etched in stone with his crucifixion and supernatural resurrection. The Bible, in the book of Hebrews, calls this a new and living way to relate to God. But as a necessary complement to the message of the kingdom of God, Jesus also gave them the authority to heal the sick and to confront and expel demonic harassment in the lives of people held in dark bondage. To accomplish this, he did not send them to school. He did not give them a list of books to read. He did not give them a toolbox of tips and techniques. He did not advise them about how to influence the Roman government to bring godly family values into the community. He told them to wait. He told them he was going to send them what the Father had promised, but they were to wait until they were clothed with power from on high. Then just before he ascended into heaven, while he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then he added, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's from Acts chapter 1. You will receive power. It's a phrase that haunts me, but in a really good way. The book of Acts then accounts this group of 120 followers of Jesus as they turn the known world upside down. Yes, there were supernatural healings. Yes, there were supernatural confrontations with the demonic. 
Yes, there were supernatural mass conversions of people who turned to follow Jesus, but these men and women also displayed supernatural generosity toward each other. They were filled with supernatural courage and boldness. They experienced supernatural joy and peace, especially in the face of persecution and hardship. And this next line is probably the most important line I wrote. They received something and had something that we seemingly don't have today. They received something and had something that we seemingly don't have today. And I am not ready to settle for less. I'm not ready to be content with anything less than they experienced. I want all of that. I want all the Holy Spirit has for me, and I'm thinking most of you do too. So we're, we're, I'm starting a series today on the Holy Spirit. And you've, you've seen these signs up here, and I said a couple years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, somebody once told me, which I thought was true, that when the church faces hardship, difficulty, persecution, or whatever, only two things are going to matter. One is we learn how to pray, like Jesus teaches us, but two is we, we honor the Holy Spirit. In other words, what doesn't matter is what color the carpet is, what songs you sing, whether you use pipe organ or guitar, or whether you have uh, orange juice or, or grape juice or wine. Or Those things don't, won't matter, and they really ultimately don't matter. But these two things, learning to pray like Jesus taught us, and honoring the Holy Spirit, which both understandably have a deep supernatural component. Because I've always said the church, we're not a... We're not a political organization, we're not a moral organization, we're not a social organization, we're an organization driven by a supernatural reality of the Holy Spirit, all right? So, honor the Holy Spirit, and someone asked me recently, actually it was my wife, she said, what do you mean by honor? And I was like, well, when we say honor your parents, there's a, there's a degree of, you listen intently to what they say, and for young children, there's obedience involved. Um, so to honor the Holy Spirit is to listen to what he has to say. And to a significant degree, there's obedience involved, all right? So we want to learn how to honor the Holy Spirit. If you want a short course on the Holy Spirit, reading John 14 to 16 is the best place to go. There's other places where the Holy Spirit's unpacked, but John 14 to 16 is the, is the Jesus, the night he was betrayed, he was eating the Passover dinner with his disciples, just washed their feet, and he goes into a three-chapter kind of teaching where he mentions the Holy Spirit. And again, the disciples, we have, we have uh, what one, one writer calls, we have flash forward. We kind of know what was, what we now know what happened after that, Pentecost and all that. They had no idea. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what he was talking about. Um, they didn't understand it all. I mean, not that we do either, but, but he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, he starts, uh, go to the slide not the next, go to the next one. Um, yeah, let me say this too. This is a weird meter kind of thing. It should be because the weird meter, anything supernatural is going to hit the weird meter, but that's where we need to be living at times, all right? Invisible world's just as real as invisible. Now go to the next one, but not this one. Go to the next one, all right? This is what I want to start with. The, the one from John, the next slide. Yeah, this one, all right. So this is where Jesus says, one of his key lines is, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. All right, advocate could also, some versions say helper, some say counselor, some say comforter. It's a Greek word, paraclete, which is parakaleto, which means called alongside to help. So advocate, helper, comforter, counselor. But he's telling them this, I will ask the Father, he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit, 
that, he, that he's going to ask the Father, and the Father's going to give you this. And again, they didn't really know what he meant. There are a lot of things Jesus said. We now know the disciples were like, we don't know exactly what he's talking about. But. So I'm, I'm going to start on this passage. And again, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm not kind of, I am, I'm enamored with the Holy Spirit. I'm not, that in it, not more than anybody else, but I just lately have thought a lot more about what does that mean? How do we make that real in our lives? Um, another author I've been really influenced by over the years is a guy named A.W. Tozer. Um, he's dead now, but he, was some, he wrote a book on the Holy Spirit, and I reread it this week. It was published in 1968. So. But here's some things he said. It made me think about church, all right? Because one of the things I mentioned a couple weeks ago is, yeah, of course I wish our church was bigger, um, things like that. But this is some things he said, and it just kind of etched some things in me that was really good for me to think about. Um, he says a couple things. The church that wants God's power will have more to offer than social clubs, social justice, or socially acceptable reputation. The church is for more than fun, friendships, and good family values. Uh, a church could increase in attendance until there's no more room, and they can do it without the Holy Spirit. The church could provide all the activities and opportunities that people want in churches, and they can do that without the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying... A large church or a lot of activities does not have the Holy Spirit. But what I'm saying is human beings are smart and we can make things, we can grow things without the Holy Spirit's help. Um, and of course we don't want that. We want, we want the Holy Spirit to energize what we do. So it just kind of made me think, what, okay, what's the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, individually, marriages, families, but also in the, in the church? So I was thinking about this uh, passage in John 14. You know, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. And then um, he goes on for chapter 14, 15, and 16. He talks about the Holy Spirit. And it, here's some things, here's some observations. I, I like to read like large sections and just try to figure out what's going on here and what's weaving through here. So he talks about the Holy Spirit and he talks about these things that I think we all want. He says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to manifest myself to you. Um, because of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have peace. That he said, I can, I'm going to give you peace the world can't even give you. And then he talks about a fullness of joy that the world can't take away. He talks about bearing fruit. He talks about, you know, God's going to be with us. So it's like, I think there's nobody here that wouldn't say, well, wait a minute. If, if having more of the Holy Spirit means... I have a peace the world can't take away, a fullness of joy the world can't uh, diminish at all. I'm going to bear fruit in my life, and I'm, God's going to manif manifest himself to me. It's like, I'm assuming all of us say, sign me up. That, why, of course I want that. But then when you, when you read the rest of those chapters in 14, 15, and 16, he also makes some statements that, frankly, I think if, in a human speak, humanly speaking, I wish weren't there. But he says things like... Um, the world's probably going to hate you. You'll likely be persecuted, and you're going to have tribulation in the world. So again, that's one of those parts of the Bible that I kind of like. I wish I could just kind of erase that. I'm, I, not really, but you know what I mean. But then I can't. I, then I've realized. Okay, I think that when Jesus talks about having fullness of joy and peace, the world can't take away, bearing much fruit. You, it seems like it doesn't seem like it's the reality. You cannot separate that. From the reality of persecution, hardship, and tribulation. You can't have this without that. And it's part of Christianity that for most of us is, is, is uh, 
We wish it wasn't that way. When we want this, we don't want that. But you look at the book of Acts, too, and when that you have all these incredible things in the book of Acts. Mass conversions, demons cast out by people like us, ordinary people. Demons cast out, healings, all kinds of things. But then you have followers of Jesus being whipped, beaten with rods, thrown into dark dungeons, beheaded. And it's like you kind of realize even in the book of Acts you can't separate this, this supernatural mass conversions, power, power, the power Jesus talked about, you can't separate that from the reality of discomfort, persecution, and uh, trials. And it's like, okay, I want this, I don't want that. Nobody wants this. If you do, then you're something wrong with you, right? But so when Jesus said, I'm going to give you the advocate who will never leave you, there's, there's certain, I'm going to say it this way, I don't mean this in a bad way, there's certain strength attached. I don't mean God has strength. But one of the things that he does say, that Jesus says very clearly, the Holy Spirit, he's given to those who obey my commandments. He's given to those who obey my commandments. So, then I was thinking to myself earlier this week, so to whatever degree, and I don't mean just the Ten Commandments, I mean even Jesus' commandments to you know, forgive those who've hurt you, love your enemies, um, all the things Jesus says, even in the Sermon on the Mount, that, that can be kind of rattling to us. But he says those things, and he says, you know, he says more than once in these three chapters, the Holy Spirit's given to those who obey me. He's given to those who obey me. He's given to those who obey me. So when people, and I love songs like this. There's songs like uh, Spirit of the Living God, Fall Fresh on Me, Come Holy Spirit. There's all kinds of songs um, about the Holy Spirit, inviting the Holy Spirit. Um, but we're never told to beg for the Holy Spirit. But when, if we're inviting the Holy Spirit and we are knowingly disobeying Jesus, then our words are, are totally empty. Because you can't want the Holy Spirit if you want to hold on to something that you know Jesus doesn't want you to hold on to anymore. So that's, that's one thing I, I was kind of thinking through. is like you want more of the Holy Spirit, you need to let Jesus explore, examine things in your life. And I'm not saying that to be kind of heavy or dark. I'm just saying Jesus clearly says the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey him. It's even repeated in the book of Acts. Peter says that. The Holy Spirit is given to those who obey him, who obey God. So your obedience... This is not legalism. Obedience to the commands of Jesus um, or lack thereof, your lack of obedience can create an obstacle. So you can ask for the Holy Spirit all you want, but it ain't coming because you're blocking it. And you might say, well, I thought when we were Christians we have the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we do have the Holy Spirit, but we're always, Paul even says in uh, Galatians, let yourself be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's telling that to Christians. The implication is there's always more. There's always more. There's always more. I, whatever perspective you might think of, whether you come from a Pentecostal background or a, you know, other backgrounds that have different views about the Holy Spirit, I think everybody would agree there's always more of the Holy Spirit. So, so uh, the idea that if you want the Holy Spirit in obedience, those have to go together. And if you want more of the Holy Spirit, 
you can't give any, you can't give any conditions to God. You can't say, I want more of the Holy Spirit, but you know, I don't want this uh, persecution, difficulty, trials. I'm gonna, I don't want to sign up for that, but I want to sign up for more peace, more joy, more fruit in my life. You, 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 can't, you can't tear that paper in half. Um, we'd like to. But you realize that when the, those who had the spirit of Jesus in them that had like incredible power in their lives, I don't mean power like you know, swaying people, but they, they were, God used them to heal people. Um, even like Stephen, as he was being stoned to death, he says to God, God, don't hold this sin against them. That's supernatural forgiveness. You can't do that in a human point of view. So this, that kind of reality and it, uh, ha- can't be separated from, from uh, the joy you want as well as the hardship of, of, of the Holy Spirit. So it made me think about that, and I thought, okay, what do we, what do, we do with that? And what we'll do in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to explore different, where there might, be, there might be some story or vignettes from the Gospel of Acts where it talks about the Holy Spirit and what happened. We'll kind of explore, like, what does, it, what does it mean to have more of the Holy Spirit? And it's not something... I mean, I've been in environments, maybe you have too. I've been in worship environments where people are singing, and they might be singing about the Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, or, um, you know, fall on us Holy Spirit. And we don't have to beg for the Holy Spirit. It's, it's very clear in Scripture. We get the Holy Spirit. We ask. I mean, Jesus even said in Luke 11, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's where he says, ask you know, ask and you'll get, you know, knock and your door will be open to you. Kind of like if you ask, but there's never begging. We don't have to beg for the Holy Spirit. We don't have, but also, if you're asking for the Holy Spirit, but you're holding on to something, some area where Jesus has told you to stop doing it or start doing it, and you're, you're, you're saying, no, I'm going to hold on to this, but I want the Holy Spirit. You, you can't, it's not going to happen. Jesus says that. I'm not saying that. Jesus said that. It's not going to happen. The fullness of the Holy Spirit, and I'm doing this because i become a full vessel this way, is if my hands are wide open, I'm holding on to nothing. There's nothing I'm holding on to This becomes an obstacle. There's nothing I'm holding on to that becomes uh, a condition. Well, I want the Holy Spirit, Jesus, but I, I don't want any kind of pain, suffering, or difficulty. You, you can't do that. Or I want the Holy Spirit, but I want to hold on to this. If you do that, you get no vessel to hold on and have any Holy Spirit come into you. So uh, examine your life as I will, as I, sh- I will, should too, is there anything in your life that you feel like Jesus has told you to stop doing or start doing from Scripture that you need to deal with? Or is there any condition you're placing on, well, I, of course I want more of the Holy Spirit. I just don't want that. You know, he, you, I want more of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, but don't touch my bank account. I want more of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, but don't touch my career path. I want more of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, but don't touch... Uh, my health. Not that Jesus is looking for ways to hurt us. Please understand that. But we cannot give any conditions to that. The disciples, you see the disciples who turned the world upside down, uh, there were no conditions and no obstacles. It was totally whatever you want to give us. And and they changed the world. So, um, there's a few other passages I'll just go through and then we'll be... So the next one... This is uh, right, so Jesus said that in Luke 14, 15, and 16 about the Holy Spirit. And he clearly said, it's given to those who obey me, and there's also going to be challenge and difficulty. And then close to when he was, this is after his resurrection, um, he says to the disciples, and now I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, just as the Father promised. 
but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Some versions, the older versions say clothed with power from on high. All right? And then right in the opening part of Acts, where Jesus shows up in Acts 1 before he ascends into heaven, he says to them, in just a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that's the phrase I mentioned in what I wrote that is a haunting phrase to me. Um, and some, some, I don't think any of you here, but some people would say, well, that's the book of Acts. Um, that was then, this is now. Um, the disciples, the 12, as well as the 120, were given these supernatural powers. They had access to powers because the church needed a really good catalyst to start things off. And there are some would say, but that stuff's not for today. You know, be content with what we have. But I would say, why in the world would God give us a book full of all these uh, supernatural realities, power of forgiveness and boldness? Why would he give us that and then say, oh, and by the way, those people, that was for them, but it's not for you. you you're, you're on your own. I mean, would, I mean, why would he do that? Of course, what, he's, what's, what was friendless for us I'm not, I'm not asking for a recreation of the book of Acts in our lives. I am asking for a recreation of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And like I've said, um, you, uh, we can be content with what God's doing in our lives, but I don't want any of us to ever be satisfied with how much of the Holy Spirit is controlling our lives. And that's what I said when I was running. That's what I'm hungry for. I want more of the Holy Spirit. I'm 59 years old. been a pastor for 30 years. And I, I, never wanna, I, I never wanna get to the point where I coast. And I hope you don't either. Coast with, well, I'm a Christian. I got, I got it all lined up. I got all my papers in line. I'm gonna go to heaven after I die. Yeah, that's, that's good to have that. But if you're not hungry for more of the Holy Spirit, whether it's him speaking to you, doing things through your life, um, if you're not hungry for more of the Holy Spirit, Check out why you're not hungry for that. Because there's more from what the Bible talks about. There's more of the Holy Spirit. And again, we're going to read these stories in the next couple of weeks, some from the book of Acts and things like that. And I don't want us to read them like we're reading movies about superheroes that have nothing in common with us. These are people who are ordinary people that God did powerful things in their lives, and they flipped the world upside down. So I'm, I'm, I'm always content with what God is doing in our lives and in our church, but I never want to be satisfied. So that's kind of what I'm trying to say. Be content, but don't be satisfied. And always look for what God may want to do in your life. Because, uh, um, like I said, we, we, Christianity is a supernatural religion. The Holy Spirit was unleashed. Jesus actually said that the Holy Spirit was with us, but he told the disciples, in a, in a while he's going to be in you. And he clearly was saying post, they didn't know this, Post my death and resurrection, the Holy Spirit is going to be, the preposition changes from with you to in you. Jesus is very, it's very clear in the Bible. Jesus switches his preposition because he knew something was going to, he knew his death was going to change something from the Holy Spirit being with us and now he's in us. Um, and then go to the next, I think the last one, the red one. Yeah, it's a, and then this is the last passage and we'll take communion. They, they were trying to figure, they were confused as to why he was going to go away. They still didn't know what he meant. I'm sure in retrospect they know this meant his death and his resurrection. Um, he said, in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come, Holy Spirit. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. 
So his death and resurrection, Scripture says in the book of Hebrews, opened up this new and living way for us. A new and living way for us to relate to God. Where we have the Holy Spirit in us and we can relate to God in a very personal way. So uh, when Jesus was telling the disciples, because later on in that same mon, uh, kind of monologue from John 14, 15, 16, and then his prayer in 17, and he, and he does, serves them the supper, the last supper, the Passover meal. He said, when you eat this and drink this, remember me. Remember me. And I'm sure after his death and resurrection and Pentecost, their understanding of remembering him was a whole different thing. Because it wasn't just, remember all the things I taught and the good things I did for people. It was, no, remember um, what I promised you and what the Father promised you and what I said that you're going to do greater things than I've done, is what Jesus even said. So when we take this uh, today, um, you know, Jesus said, remember him. I'm going to encourage you today, just remember his promises about the Holy Spirit. Remember those were promises he gave to us, um, that he'd be in us, he'd be our helper, counselor, advocate. But he's given to those of us who choose to obey him, and he's, he gives us then uh, deep peace, deep joy, and abundant fruit in our lives if we do it his way, all right? So um, here's how we do it at Exodus. Aaron's going to come up and lead us in another song. Um, and you just come up when you feel led. Everybody's welcome to come up to the table. And uh, just like we've had in other weeks, we have the prepackaged one if you want the prepackaged cup and wafer. We also have the wafer wafers that you can dip into the cup. So it's your choice how you want to do that. So uh, let me pray, and then we'll take communion. So Jesus... Uh, I'm sure the disciples were, probably had like mental overload after your uh, teaching to them at the Last Supper, especially about the Holy Spirit. And then, but yet, once your death and resurrection happened, I'm sure things clicked inside of them. And so, Jesus, we're grateful. And that's an understatement. We're grateful that you were obedient to death, even death on a cross, and then God exalted you to the highest place. And we're grateful that we come to you now, um, not as a remembered savior, a remembered teacher who's dead. We come to you now as a, as a, you now are one who, the Bible says you're king of kings and lord of lords and you're alive and you're seated at the right hand of God the Father. And this is you giving us right now your body and your blood. And you want us to remember the power you um, have available for us. So thank you, Jesus, for what you do. And thank you what you will do in all of our lives. And may I ask all in Christ's name. Amen.